Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. I got to say, this is a step up from 930. Don't tell them I said that. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, um, so glad that you, you showed up today. Um, after last week, I, I tell you, it was one of the, the most difficult messages uh, I've preached, not because uh, I don't love it, but because it's, it's so sensitive that there's so much speculation about... Uh, the time in which we're living. Um, I hate to call it end times because for the believer, it's not the end times, it's the beginning times. Um, so, you know, we talk about in the world's questioning, where are we in history? Where are we uh, in, in relation to eternity? Uh, a lot of those questions happen. And, and the real challenge is, is that, uh, you know, there used to be a saying, and some of you've heard it, and some of you may be too young to have heard it, but there's a saying, ignorance is bliss. That's a lie. That's just a lie. You know, you know, the Bible tells us to get knowledge and get wisdom, not to be ignorant people. And so uh, there's a lot of ignorance uh, in all of us concerning the Bible and how to navigate things in life and what to do when we're wronged and, and how to handle uh, the fear that uh, seems to be making its way across every platform streaming and networks and television and and all of those things and a lot of people are scared and a lot of people are concerned and the reason we have fear in our lives oftentimes is because we lack knowledge uh and we and if we lack knowledge we lack vision if we lack vision we perish and so i don't want you to be ignorant uh concerning where we are uh in in history where we are at this time in history I want to do my best to try to bring some level of information uh, with my limited knowledge of all of this. Uh, as much as I can study, it's literally a semester worth of information that would get us started. And so, uh, but I found out that ignorance is oftentimes the reason people are afraid. What's going to happen to me? What happens after I die? What happens? What happens if this happens? And what happens if, and we start playing it out. And the reality is, uh, we have the confidence uh, of God. We have the hope in the Word of God. And uh, he said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have difficulty. You're going to have struggles. He said, but take courage. I've overcome the world. Courage is a choice. It's not something that we're born with. It's something we choose to impart to ourselves. And we say, you know what? I'm not going to live in fear. The Bible says he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And if you have fear, that means you probably do not have a sound mind. That means that you're probably concerned about what's going on in the world. And, 
And, uh, you know, we can't stop what's, what's going on. I mean, we think we can. But uh, if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, he will do for you what he did for Christ. He will quicken your mortal body. That means your spirit, your soul, and your physical person. Um, I've been very blessed in my life, very fortunate throughout my life to not have to uh, uh, have surgeries. I, I don't know how I dodged all the bullets I dodged because I played ball and all that stuff, but I never had surgeries. And so for me, uh, surgery was always kind of, kind of a mystery. Didn't know exactly how that worked. And, you know, I, I have a little hard time watching uh, CSI when they're carving up bodies and pulling out body parts, you know, it just kind of freaks me out. Uh, but finally, I got to the place where I was having a difficult time seeing, and that was actually good on Sundays when I preached. <laughs> it made it a lot easier not seeing grimaces and faces that I didn't want to see. But uh, I, I finally went to the eye doctor, and he said, uh, he said you know, and, and some of you will think this has to do with age. It, it doesn't. Um, I, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. See, some of y'all are ignorant. You, you can have cataracts when you're 30. So take that, all you young folks. He said, oh, everybody has cataracts. And I th he just said, yours are really pretty bad. And he said, but it's not a problem. He said, we'll do one eye. And he, I said, well, how long will that take? He said, about 15 minutes. And I thought, cool. But then as I started thinking about it, I thought, I preach for a living. If, and I thought, well, at that time, I thought, well, there are times I don't want to see you. But I was, I was kind of concerned. I wasn't necessarily extremely fearful, but I was a little fearful because I thought, you know, what if they get in there? And, and the last thing you want to hear in any surgery is, oops. <laughs> oops. Then you, because if you hear oops, then you're going to quickly ask, Why? So they did one and, 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 you know, had to wait and do the other one. I guess they don't want to slip up at the same time on both of them, you know. If you mess up one eye and you're already on a roll, the other one's probably not got a really good chance of being good either. So they do one at a time. So now I have 20-20 vision. But, but going into it, you have to understand, I was a little afraid because I was ignorant. I'd never had surgery in my life. I had wisdom teeth removed, which has come out to bite me a little bit. I don't have near the wisdom I would have had. Or figure out why they call those wisdom teeth and they pull them. How dumb is that? Leave those and pull something else. <laughs> it's demonic, extracting wisdom right out of our bodies. So I, uh, it, it, when, when people are not in church, they're not Christians, and they get around Christians, they don't hate you. What they hate without realizing it, is their own ignorance about what Christianity is all about and what God's all about and who God is. The, the fear is that, that God is mad at the world and we know that we don't deserve his love and we don't deserve to be saved. We, we, we're in, that's all a part of that mix. When I was lost, I just couldn't imagine that God could love me. And so as a result of that, I, I remained somewhat ignorant because all I had grown up on was some pretty angry preachers and uh, if you've ever been to a church where the pastor looks at you when he's preaching because it's the first time you're there basically what he's saying is nobody ever shows up you're going to hell so I'm preaching to you 
And so I always felt like I was the target of every sermon. Some of you felt that. I hope you don't feel that here. <laughs> and so, but I, I don't want us to be ignorant. And, and so many people are ignorant about the Bible. Not stupid, not stupid. You're very intelligent. How many of you know intelligent people can be ignorant? Ignorance means I just don't know. You have the capacity to know, but you've chosen not to know. So the greatest question, I think, in our world today is, okay, we know Israel, we know the Jewish people, we know Jesus uh, was and is a Jew, and, and so uh, we've heard things about uh, wars and rumors of wars and dragons and the mark of the beast, and, and you know, nobody, nobody goes there and says, I think I'm going to get up today and read Revelation. You know, I'll get inspired, you know, or no, you'll get perspired. You know, when you start reading all of that, it, it has this tendency to go, oh, wow, you know. All of a sudden, you start thinking about what's going on in the world and how does this affect me and what's going to happen to me and when's this going to happen and, and am I going to be ready and yada, yada, yada. And so the, 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 I'll start here. The thing that, we, that, that will, in the beginning, stop you from being fearful is this. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say all of those who are perfect, all of those who every day of their life do everything I want them to do, and, and that they, they've worked their way up. And it's like, you know, it's like some religions think they're seniority in the kingdom. But I tell you what I love about God is if, if Jesus were to return today and, and uh, you know, let's say 3 o'clock and somebody got saved at 2.59. They're going to heaven. And I'm going to tell you, there won't be any hallelujahs from religious people. I can't believe you got all that. You had all that fun. And you got saved one minute before Jesus came back. And you get to go to heaven too. Go to hell. That's how you know religious people are religious. They get irritated when somebody's lived their whole life living the way they wanted to live and enjoying the debauchery. <laughs> they get mad. It's like, I, I, you mean I've sacrificed my whole life. I went to church. I served. I gave. I did all that stuff. And you were out having all the fun, and here I am. And I, Man, I'm thrilled. I want everybody to go to heaven. I hope there's a mass salvation about one minute before Jesus comes back. I just a mass. And then I just want to hang out with all the religious people when we're at the gate. And Jesus is going, uh, depart from me. You no, anyway, so. <laughs> it's just interesting to me. So today what I'm going to try to do is just, just bring a, just a little bit of information. I talked about the, the tribulation and and uh, that scares a lot of people because they say, well, you know, the great tribulation. And that's a seven-year period of time. And, and the, the focus on the first three and a half years, really, it's not even going to look like the tribulation. According to some theologians, it's going to be a time of just kind of, it's going to be a little rough. But it's not going to be bad. And then the last three and a half years will get rough. But during that period of time, people can still come to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus said it's not his will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So all the signs that, that are out there, all the things you're afraid of, are there to attract you to one who can save you. You see, you can't scare a Christian with heaven. If somebody's afraid of heaven, it's like, look, dude, you don't have to be afraid of one thing. I want to know, and I know the only reason Jesus didn't tell us the day and the time is we'd all go out and charge our cars up, and we'd buy Maseratis and, and not pay for them. 
You can tell I'm a car guy. I'd probably go get a Lambo and say, <laughs> tell the dealer, it's all right, I won't have to make a payment. Jesus is coming back next Wednesday. <laughs> and just drive the fire out of it. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, somewhere in here, I'm going to get started. In the last days, there will be people loving Jesus. They will get a bulldog grip on the truth and say this, Jesus Christ is Lord. He's not just somebody else's Savior. He's my Lord. Christians are not saved because they endure. You're not saved because you're like strong and you made it through. That's not why you're saved. Listen to this. They endure because they are saved. You endure because you are saved. And, and that that spirit that raised Jesus from the dead also lives in you. And so you don't have to sit around wondering, what if? And some of y'all have had a bad week, a bad day. Some of you, it's been a decade. And you're really questioning, how is this going to play out? Because I've been bad for a decade. Now, this is not a time for a spouse to elbow another spouse. So are you listening? This is a time for you to embrace what I'm saying here is that, that Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And that if we really have fun with the Bible, understanding the Bible the Bible is your friend. It's, it's not a, a book of, of rules to destroy your faith in your life. It's a book of information to restore your hope and faith. And so we don't struggle like those who are lost because we have hope unlike those who are lost. And so we put our hope in him and, and we don't worry. Now, we, we have to look at, uh, I talked about the tribulation and, and so you got a little bit there. And, and so, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians that we would be caught up with him in the air. Now, this is going to be a really cool thing. I mean, I, I think about it every now and then, thinking, okay, what does this really look like? So, if you're afraid of flying, you might want to go ahead and start trying a little bit right now. <laughs> if he comes back in your time, I, I don't, I don't want to go up. I don't want to board that. You know, because you're not even, I mean, you can have a first class seat, but it's not going to be a seat. You're going to be like floating around. Would that be cool? I think so. I'm kind of excited about it. Uh, I'm not getting up a load today. Don't worry. We're just talking about it, all right? And, and so we'll be caught up with him in the air. And, and some theologians believe that we'll come back down and reign with him. Others believe we'll be caught up with him and then go up to heaven. And then the millennial reign will happen. And during the millennial reign, that thousand-year period of time, which we need to understand may not be a literal thousand years. Now, this is maybe insignificant to some of you. But as I was studying this, I found it real interesting because in 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, he says uh, that a day in his world, in his eyes, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So when we talk about the thousand-year reign, we don't know that it'll be a literal thousand years. What's important about this is that during that period of time, there will be Jews that, that are not saved, and this is the debate going on behind the scenes that some of you may have heard and some of you may not. The question by religious people is, why are we helping Israel? They don't believe in Yeshua. They don't believe in Jesus. Now, there are some Jews that do. They're called Messianic Jews. I had an attorney who was a Messianic Jew, one of the most brilliant guys that, that I've ever known, and uh, so we've oftentimes looked at the Jewish people and said, well, why would we want to stand with Israel? Number one, God says to, and uh, those are his chosen people, 
And what happened was, in, in the Bible times, uh, we have the same issue today that the Jews didn't accept him, as you know, and here Jesus is, Son of God, because they expected Jesus to come to earth and destroy the Roman Empire, who was dominating the Jews, who, was over the, who were over the Jews. So when Jesus came, the reason they didn't believe in him was because he didn't do what they expected him to do, which was flip over the Roman Empire, let the Jews rise to power. That was what their expectation was. So that's the reason the Jews still don't believe Jesus has ever come. So they can't believe in the second coming because they missed the first time he came. So the question has been, what do we do? Well, we support the Jewish people. During that time, now I don't know how many of you have ever had a bicycle evangelist show up at your house. Now, I'm not trying to be cruel at all. I'm really not. But uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, which according to my professors, they have their own, the Bible, and it's the worst translated Bible in the history of Bibles. And, and so they believe, they, they will come to your door and they'll say, well, you know, you need to really work at this because only 144,000 people are going to heaven in the book of Revelation. But really what that's referencing is that there will be 12,000 from the 12 tribes of Israel that make up the 144,000 who convert from pure Judaism to Christianity. That there are guaranteed 12,000 from each tribe is going to convert and believe in Jesus, okay? So if you're worried about only 144,000 are going, like Jesus is like, I only have 144,000 seats, book now. <laughs> that's, that's not how this plays out, okay? He's got, he's got more than enough room on, on the vehicle to get you from here to there. And so the, a lot of misinformation, a lot of religions uh, believe that you have to meet up to a certain standard uh, to, to make it to heaven. And that's why a lot of people are afraid. Some people get born again. And over time, good meaning religious people tell them, well, I still see that you're doing some of the things you used to do. And I hate to disappoint most of us here, but pretty much all of us are doing things we used to do. No, we're not, Pastor. Yes, you are. You're lying to yourself. I mean, I'm still working on stuff right now that I'm just, I'm just like going, how long is this going to take? <laughs> I've been trying to shake this thing for all the years I've been alive. I'm working on it. And, and it, just when you least expect it, something else, it, it's like being at Incredible Pizza, that little game where they pop up and you hit it with a mallet. These keep popping up. Boom, I hit that one. And you keep trying to hit on the things that are messing with you. And I wish I could tell you, here's the deal. I hate to disappoint some of you A-type people who are working toward perfection. I appreciate you. But the only way you're ever going to be perfect is if you see yourself as better than the rest of us. But in the eyes of God, you're so far from perfect. It's coast to coast. And so what I'm trying to do is encourage you before I tell you what's about to happen. <laughs> because we get caught up on, well, you know, is this the end times? Is it really that bad? I'm thinking, I wish it was. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I've, already, I've already put in my order for a horse. Because the Bible says Jesus is coming back on one. I said, let's just saddle up. 
Yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, like a cartoon. We're like in the air. The horse is galloping and there's nothing under us. Think about how smooth that ride's going to be. So I get excited about it only because I understand I don't get to go to heaven because I'm all that in a bag of chips. I get to go to heaven because he is. And that I put my faith in him, that you put your faith in him. This is not about how good you are. Now, I want you to be good. I do. I want, and God wants you to be good. But he wants you to be good for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to take care of you. And if we're obedient, the Bible says the willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. So my, my desire to be obedient is not so I get to go to heaven. My desire to be obedient is because I want to bring heaven to me. And, and when I'm obedient to him, he said, I will bless you coming in and going out. You'll be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Though your enemies come at you from one direction, they'll flee in seven. Come on, somebody. We're sitting around here begging Jesus to take a hangnail away. My finger hurts. The devil laughs. It's like, is that the best you can believe for? Listen, you got to understand for a preacher, and I'm not sure about some of y'all, because I think Saturdays are, are hell's last attempt to keep us from Sunday. No, I do. It's, it's, it's like every I don't know about you, but on Saturdays, I, I prepare for Saturdays and hope for Sundays. Because Saturdays when all hell breaks loose. I had the worst day yesterday of all year. I'm still smiling. This is not a sympathy preaching. I'm just telling you, I, at the end of the day, Susan looked at me and I said, God has so much faith in me that I can deal with this minutia and still get up tomorrow morning with a smile on my face. And this is not hypocrisy. This is not fake. This is real. Like, bring it on, devil. Is this the best you've got? It just irritated me. I thought, you're not taking the words out of my mouth and the, the strength of God out of my heart. I'll stand up and preach stronger than ever. I will take you out. But there's so much fear in the world due to our ignorance, not realizing that we have the very authority given to us by the Son of God who was raised from the dead, and he's empowered us to walk in authority. As a matter of fact, throughout the Bible, you'll see this, and I'm going to read this to you. We read the Bible without really understanding what, what is powerful. The number three, the number seven, the number, number 12, I mean, number eight, the number of man which has fallen. And So you have 666, Mark of the Beast, right? Okay, so that six represents the weakness of humanity. Which is just short of seven, wouldn't you say? And then the next number, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven's the number of completion. So we're incomplete. The number of man is six. We're incomplete. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, all have fallen short of the glory of God by one number. And guess what number? In Revelation, it says the mark of the beast is six, six, six. Weakness, weakness, weakness. But what the devil didn't realize is those who know seven don't take number six. Now, I'm trying to put a semester into 35 minutes. So, 
Growing up, in the book of Revelation, it talks about don't take the mark, don't submit the mark. Well, back when I was a kid, I thought that was like they were going to paint an indelible 666 on my forehead and my hand. I thought, we just walk through, everybody knows I can eat. Number one, you have to understand, this is all very clear. Bill Gates has bought up more farmland than any American. The whole idea is if you can, if you can buy up farmland and you can control people, the best way to control them is through food. Because everybody gets hungry. We need food to sustain ourselves. So this brilliant idea way back in the Bible was written that unless you have the mark, my mom used to say you won't eat, but you have to trust God, so don't take the mark. Well, now what we don't understand is this, that this is already being tested. The pandemic was not an accident, folks. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, Independent, whatever you are. But the whole idea was to see if they could control society. Now, please don't miss this. This was a whole thing. That's how come I said, you know what? I apologize to you as a pastor for ever shutting down because I'll never do it again. Take me to jail. I am never going to bow my knee to this again. This effort was to control us. So what they found out was, wow, we got some control. So now you buy up farmland, you start planting, and the only way you're going to get food is if you have a chip in your hand or a chip in your forehead. Now, don't freak out on me. Don't leave. Next week, I'll preach something that will make you really happy. This ought to make you happy because i got to tell you right now, I'm preparing you. What if you didn't know about this? What if no preacher ever talked to you about this and that day comes and you go, why didn't anybody tell me? I'm telling you now. I don't want to tell you now, but I'm telling you now because my mother ingrained this in me as a kid. used to scare the out of me, the Jesus out of me. And so now what I'm telling you is, this is already in the making. Listen to this. Three Square Market, a tech company based in Wisconsin, and a popular self-checkout devices. They create these things at the supermarket. You know, you're scanning stuff and barcodes and all that. Okay, you got that, right? It's really cool. Because I used to be a checker at Safeway when I was a kid, and we had to, we had to hit enter every number. Man, it was really, it was weird, man. Well, now all you do is you go in, and they go, beep, beep, beep. And you, you've been there, right? I don't know what grocery store you're going to. If you're going to one that doesn't do that, that's probably fresh food. <laughs> yeah, that's the one you want to go to right there. No electronics. That, that banana just came off the tree, and that tomato just came off the vine. And so uh, I don't like self-checkout. I'm just going to tell you right now. Let me tell you why I don't like self-checkout. I'm taking somebody's job. Susan, every now and then, goes, go self-check. No, I want somebody to have to do this for me. They need to make money. And you're, everybody going through self-checkout thinks, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. No, it's not. People are not, they're not employed. I don't clean my table off at the restaurant. You say, well, you're a bad preacher. No, I want somebody to have a job. If I take and wipe the table down for them, guess what? Somebody's not going to have a job. Some of you now are feeling free. Praise the Lord. You mean I can stop? You have my permission. So, listen to this. This same company building these checkout devices chipped 100 of their employees in 2017. Two other tech companies, Epicenter and Biotech, both based in Sweden, have also chipped at least 150 employees and individuals since 2015. Say, well, that's cool, because here's what happens. 
You no longer need a key card to get into the, the, through the gate. You don't have to get it to go into the office. As a matter of fact, they have so defined this that, that you can literally go get concessions, go to the machine, wave your hand in front of it, and it'll come out. And in Dubai, you can literally walk in a store in Dubai. They got your card ahead of time. You walk in, and on the way out, it rings up every one of your items when you walk out. You don't even go through a clerk. Now, if this is not freaking you out, man, if you're high right now, I've really got your attention. <laughs> so, wow, dude. <laughs> this is really freaking you out, isn't it? I was like, whoa. <laughs> You will be saved today. <laughs> and so all I'm saying is this. Look, folks, I, I, this, this could be 100 years from now. Nobody knows the day, the time, the hour, none of that. But listen to me. Be ready to know. And I told people, and I know that this has been a source of contention and division. And I'm not trying to dog anybody. Man, I love you. I don't care if you've, you've taken three shots and ten boosters. I'm going to tell you, they're revving you up right now. Boost me. Boost me. <laughs> but I will say this. Do not take a chip. I'm going to tell you right now. You say, well, how am I going to eat? God's got you covered. If he can feed one man with ravens, he can, he can feed a society. Trust me. You don't have to worry about it. And, and guess what? You can't scare a Christian with heaven. And some of y'all, you'll get right down to your set weight before you ever have to find food. I mean, some of y'all like a squirrel. You've stored it up. You're going to be good for a decade. <laughs> I know some of you are taking this personally right now. He's talking to me. How mean is that preacher? Look, I can't see what you're carrying. You're sitting down. I ain't talking to you. Don't you dare send any dirty, nasty emails to me. I can't believe you were talking to me. I'm 100 pounds. I didn't know you were. I'm trying. Doing the best I can. Pray for me. Okay, let me get over here some good news for you. It, today, it, it's shotgun. It's a, ain't no bullseye here, baby. It's a scatter shot. All right. I'm going to attempt to close with this thought. Because the reason I like to laugh at stuff like this because it confuses the devil. Look, they're laughing, and it's at the end. And what's going to happen? Well, they're going to heaven, and you're going to go to hell, and you're going to be in the pit. Some of y'all... The devil reminds you of your past. You need to remind him of his future. There's a fable. Operative word here, fable. If you're from Berry Hill, you'd have to go look in the dictionary and know what that means. <laughs> we weren't able to understand a fable. <laughs> There is a fable which tells of three apprentice devils, demons, who were coming to this earth to finish their apprenticeship. 
They were talking to Satan, the chief of all devils, about their plans to tempt and ruin mankind. The first demon said, I'll tell them there is no God. Now, when I was young, I remember my mother, who was absolutely saint and partially religious, only because of ignorance, not because she didn't love Jesus with the air. But the, some of you may remember when the Beatles come out and said we're more popular than God. Which began the biggest statement of all that anybody would challenge God in such a way. And I'm telling you, my mother said, you will never listen to the Beatles again. I don't care about their submarines, what color they are. You will not listen again. Okay, mama. And so that led to there is no God. There was this hippie movement. No God. Didn't work. Satan said, that will not delude many, for they know that there is a God. The second said, I will tell men there is no hell. Satan answered, you'll deceive no one that way. Men know even now that there is a hell for sin. The third demon thought about it a moment and said, I'll tell them there's no hurry. Go, said Satan, and you will ruin them by the thousands. The most dangerous of all delusions is there is plenty of time. You see, we ought to wake up every single day and say, Today is the day the Lord has made. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow's a mystery. Today is what I have. And in 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, verse chapter 10, verse 12. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. The reason I read this is that word idolatry means that we idolize something better than God or more important than God. And that we need to understand we, we get sidetracked and we live in a world that's so wonderful. I mean, it's so incredible all of the modern day conveniences we have. I don't even think we stop to think about it. And uh, it's, it's amazing that when I was growing up, we had uh, vehicles, and we called it three on the tree, four on the floor. I mean, everybody knew how to do a, drive a stick shift. These kids today don't even know what a stick shift is or a landline. Everything's automatic. And we had a very special kind of air conditioner in our cars. It was, it was called uh, 470, four windows down, going 70 miles an hour. Some of you who were putt-putts had 430s. <laughs> Four windows down, going 30 miles an hour, you slow pokes. But the fact that we begin to idolize anything over God, or more important than God, becomes a problem between us and God. 
Now, it's not a problem for God. It becomes a problem for us. Because I've decided that I have put more faith and confidence in what I possess instead of who I possess and who possesses me. 2017, for the first time in my life, you have to understand, I grew up in the country. We didn't, we, we didn't have, like, burglar alarms. We had shotguns. And any, the code of the country is, you show up at my house uninvited, even if you're a distant cousin, you could be shot. If I don't know you're coming, do not come. Then we had dogs that had no leashes. I mean, you know what I'm saying? When I, I mean, if you didn't grow up riding a bicycle with dogs chasing you, you have not lived. No, literally. We knew where all the dogs in my community were. There's a German shepherd about 100 feet up here. So let's just not pedal too hard until we get about there because we're going to need all the strength we got to get by that shepherd. Anyway, 2017. For the first time in my life, I, my house was broken into. I, I lived alone. I thought I had lived in a good neighborhood. It's come to find out there is no such thing as a good neighborhood nowadays. We're all equal. I mean, and so my house gets broken into, and, and I'm, I'm, I collected a couple of things. I collected guns, and just so some of you know, I got some guns back. I just want to highlight that if you're thinking about visiting me again. And so I had a gun collection. I had a watch collection. Those were just two things I liked along with cars. Well, guess what they stole? My guns. And my watches. Now, one of my watches was uh, a very important to me and probably too important to me because uh, for my 50th birthday, which was about three decades ago, I looked pretty good for 80. And, uh, and so they, they took those. And, and one of the watches was a, a Breitling, a Bentley. It was a, a $10,000 watch. And, and I know preachers aren't supposed to talk about that, but I am because I didn't buy it. How foolish of him to buy a watch. How oh, narcissistic. No, I just had some friends that really liked me to the tune of 10 grand. And you say, those are pretty good friends. No, because they could have spent 20. <laughs> See, I know how much money they had, and I thought, you cheapskates. You could have doubled this watch. <laughs> and so when I evaluated the damage, first off, it felt very weird, but, but I realized I really missed that. And then I had... A college ring, and that may not be big to most of you, but I grew up in a very large family. I had like 30 cousins, most of y'all. You don't want 30. So I said, well, I don't have any. Trust me, you're better off. And so I had, I had all these, these relatives. And so, um, you know, I just, I, I just prized some things. You know, I just, I just liked them. And, and I realized when they were gone, I thought to myself, I think I, I, I wanted these. That ring was a college ring. Out of all 30 cousins, I was probably the only third one that got a bachelor's degree and probably only the second one that got a master's degree. So it was very important to me. And that was stolen. I always wore it, but I left it at home. And it took me months, and I realized I had placed a higher value on those than I should have. And I realized it really wasn't important anymore. And I just believe that that watch probably burns a hole in the skin of the wrist of the person who stole it. I have tremendous faith for that. 
and that they will lose their ring finger the minute they put my ring on in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord, for I have sinned. But I learned a great lesson based on a loss that I thought was a great loss that really wasn't a great loss at all. I have determined in my life that all the bad things that happened to me will either destroy me or educate me. I've chosen to be educated instead of destroyed. And that, that to me says to this, going back to where we are in, in history and in time, that God is always using things the devil means for harm to discourage us, to distract us, to depress us. And you see, there's one thing in life that you and I can control that controls absolutely everything else, and that is our attitude. Yesterday, I got a call at 9 a.m. I spent four hours dealing with a horrific situation in my family. At the end of that, I thought, okay, I got through this. I navigated it, and, and I'm okay. And then about three hours later, I got a call from my son in Washington. And uh, it was strange that he was calling me on a Saturday. Everybody knows I get ready on Saturday to preach. And, 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 and I said, uh, he said, Dad, I got... Uh, uh, I said something. He said, I'm calling for something. I said, well, you, oh, then you're calling about... I explained what it was. He said, no, that's not it. He said, I've got worse news than that. Bring it on. Well, my precious grandson in Seattle was going through a very difficult time. They took him to the doctor, and he was diagnosed with a diagnosis that uh, didn't want to hear. My son starts crying. I start crying with him. And I thought, <sighs> Susan's standing there, and I said, you know what? She, she, you know, she's very empathetic. And I just looked at her, and I said, you know what? This is opportunity. I, looked, I told my son, I said, son, let me tell you something. I believe in miracles. And I'm standing for a miracle. I said, I'm not going to pray for anything. I'm standing for a miracle. And, and I'm not, all I'm saying is this, that we often look at other people and we think they've got everything going for them. Everything's together. And, and, and I would never, I'm telling you this only because I want you to understand that none of us are exempt the Bible says rain falls on the just and the unjust. But the just know what to do with injustice. The just know what to do with attacks. And let me just tell you something. Years ago, I got, this happens on Saturday night. My precious daughter who moved back from Miami who loves Jesus now with everything in her didn't care too much for Jesus. During a period of time, I got a call at 2 in the morning. Saturday night, Sunday morning. Hello. My son called and said, you know, I'm at the hospital with Evangeline. She was deeply depressed, and she called him and said, I'm ready to drive my car for bridge. So he takes her to the hospital. Two in the morning, I'm with her. Stayed with her till 6. Said, I'm going to go home and shower, and I'm going to preach. You see, the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and you don't have to allow him to. And I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bow my knee to that. Well, guess what? Today, my daughter is here at first service, second service, living for Jesus, loving Jesus. 
very fortunate that, that it came out the way it did. But here's what I'm saying to all of us. You've got one life to live. It's not a soap opera. You've got one life to live. Make the most of it. Don't let the thief steal one day. When you start feeling down, stand up. Rise up and say, oh, no, devil. No, no. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me, and I will not allow you to keep me down. I will not lose hope. I will not lose faith. God's not finished with me. I'm going to live my life to the full. What happens is when we remain hopeful and we remain in faith, it is a testimony to the greatness of God and our relationship with God, and it glorifies God. When the bad times get bad, we serve a good God, and we rise up and declare to the world, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he will not have my faith. He will not have my hope. He will not have the glory of God. It's easy to be a Christian when everything's going well. Oh, praise the Lord. I got a new car. I got a raise. I got a bonus. I, oh, I'm a believer. I'm a believer now. No, no. When things go bad, it's time to rise up. I'm a believer now. People look at you and say, how can you be happy? Because he rose from the dead. He took my sins. He has promised me salvation. He's promised me eternity. I'm not giving up a day to the devil. I'm not giving up a minute to Satan. Don't you give any ground. It may look dismal today. It may look down today. But when you rise up and stand up and put your faith in Jesus, your best days are ahead. Don't you quit. Don't you sit around and wallow in what you lost. You've been found. It takes tenacity. doesn't always come easy. All you can do just for a moment is imagine Jesus on the cross, the perfect son of God, never sinned, never lied, never cheated, never did anything wrong. He could have easily been hanging on that cross and looked down and said, every one of you are liars, and I'm getting ready to bring some angels here. I'm getting ready to clean your clock. I'm getting ready to come down from here with a vengeance. You don't know what you've done. Jesus just calmly hung there. In great pain, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus said, I see the end from the beginning. And I know if I go through this hell and I die and I go and I, I take those who have been captive and I bring them up out of hell and I bring generation after generation up out of hell, surely they will see that I can deliver them from their very hell. See, some of you have self-incarcerated like Otis on Andy Griffith. <laughs> you get blessed and you march yourself into the cell in the weekend to sleep it off. You have imprisoned yourself by your thoughts, your doubts, your unbelief. Nothing's ever going to come out right. Let me tell you something. What the devil meant for harm, God's going to turn for good. Don't you dare give a minute to what, what you've been thinking about. Oh, my goodness, it's going to get worse. Y'all, don't get around people and say, well, you know, it's just going to get worse and worse. I just don't know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. 
I'm going to put my foot on the head of the devil when I exit this world and say, you're under my feet. You've always been under my feet. You don't stand a chance with me. See, some of y'all have been convinced that you don't want to talk to the devil. Jesus did. I figure if he had a conversation with him, then I have the same authority to have that same conversation. Don't be afraid of the devil. He's already lost. I mean, it's old news. He's lost. And he knows he's lost, but he doesn't want you to know that he's lost. That Jesus has already defeated him. That life and death is in the power of your words. Don't go around talking about your problem. Go talk around, talk about the one who took care of every problem you're ever going to have in your life. He's already paid for it. He's already got an answer for it. Some of y'all don't have anything in your bank account right now. You need to lie to the devil just tell him, man, I cannot believe we got all this money, honey. What are we going to do with all this? And your wife will look at you and say, you hiding money? Say, no, honey, I ain't hiding money. I'm just talking to the devil right now and telling him he thinks, he thinks we're broke, but i got to let him know we got so much money, we got to figure out what to do with it. And I, your electric's about to be cut off. You just need to start declaring, oh, no, it's paid for. It's already paid for. When the lights go out, say, oh, how romantic. Get those candles out. We've been needing this for a long time. I'm okay, really. I, I, some of y'all are thinking, he really did have a tough day yesterday. No, let me just tell you something. I like the tension. I like it. I like the fact that I am worth attacking. That means the enemy knows you, he's up against a challenge. You need to know greater is God in you than what's going on in your world right now. You will not take no for an answer. Everything is yes and amen. Jesus is going to take care of whatever you're going through. But you have to let him. You have to involve him. You have to include him. You have to be there and say, God, I know you already got this. I don't ask God for much anymore. I start thanking him. God doesn't look and go, what are you thanking me for? I don't know. God, what? I think he knows what covenant is. Oh, my goodness. He knows it's already done. Before I ever say anything, it's done. I'm just agreeing with him. Just agree with him. Say, God, you never leave me forsake me. I feel lonely. No, no, God, you're here. You're the strength of my life. When I'm weak, you're strong. I'm the apple of your eye. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. You're a wall of fire and a hedge of protection around me. Everywhere I turn, I have favor for blessing. You bless the righteous. You surround us with favors with a shield. God, thank you. When you're going through a tough time, be tougher than the time. Be stronger. God's not done with you. If he was, you'd stop breathing. Don't do it right now. Kind of ruined my sermon. Unless God's done with you, and then we'll just say, God was done with him. He didn't die. He just finished his race. 
Yes, sir. Probably ought to pray. I'm feeling a lot of preach. I'll save some for next week. I sure love y'all. I want to thank you for making me a happy pastor, Pastor Appreciation Month. Some of you have appreciated me. <laughs> Many of you thought about it. <laughs> I appreciate the thoughts, the prayers. I really do. I, I feel very blessed, and I like to be happy. And when things are going down and things are going bad, just look in the mirror and start laughing. You'll confuse you, the devil, and all your relatives. But I do crazy things like that. And, and Susan will tell you, I don't, I don't let a lot of negative get around me. Because I'm going to tell you, there's enough negative everywhere you turn. You don't need to get it close to you. Keep it distant. Stay happy. Remember, the only thing you can control is your attitude. But your attitude controls pretty much everything else. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, being such a good, awesome father. God, no matter what we're going through, and right now some of us are going through some stuff, but we're not going to stop. We're not going to quit. We're not going to talk about all the things happening to us. We're going to talk about the things happening for us. And Lord, as long as we're in you and you're in us, there's just a whole lot happening for us. Keep it going, God. Keep it going. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we never like to close a service without giving people an opportunity to know Jesus. So we're going to pray a prayer, and I'm going to ask all of you to pray this with me, and those of you watching online, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for loving me so much that you gave your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today, boldly and with great courage, I am saved. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, you're going to have an opportunity in just a little bit in-house to meet with one of our prayer team members to my left and your right. If not, you're watching online. Text the word SAVED, if you would please, to 405-500-1310. Text the word SAVED and fill out. It'll take you to a place where you can fill out your name, your card. We want to pray for you. We won't bother you, but we will pray for you. So please do that. And those of you in-house, do that as well as talk to one of our prayer team members, all right? This time, we want to receive our tithes and offerings. And let me say this to all of you. Listen very carefully to me. This is one of those times in the service people kind of start checking out. These people are not walking out. They're going out to serve you. So don't think they're like, oh, we're all bent. He's going to do an offering. They have permission to leave from the bishop. All right. So the rest of y'all need to stick around. Listen to me. The Bible's very clear, and I want you to understand I love you no matter what. God loves you no matter what. But listen to me. You need to put, you need to put some, some faith and some work with the giving in your life. It's the best way I know to trust Jesus. Whenever I find myself in a difficult place, I give. You say, well, what are you going through? It doesn't matter what I'm going through. I know this. If I give, I'm helping somebody else. And so if you want to give today, there's a QR code on the screen behind me. Yes, it is. You can put your smartphone on that. If you have a dumb phone, don't try it. Um, and, and that'll take you to a giving platform. 
Uh, if you want to give by text, the easiest way to do it is text to give, 405-546-2226. You can set it up on a credit, credit card or debit card. You can give. It'll walk you through it. It's real simple. If I can do it, you can do it. Trust me. Or if you have kids, just ask them. Uh, they'll tell you how to walk you through it, walk, walk, walk through it. Uh, you can give on your way out. You can go to our website, mosaicokc.church forward slash give, or you can mail it to 5821 Northwest Expressway, OKC 73132, okay? Uh, and I want to thank all of you for, for, for giving it. You know, it's, it's funny how people look at churches and think they just mysteriously survive. But uh, the electric company did not get that memo. Uh, and so uh, they still expect money and uh, you know, buildings and all that stuff. So your giving makes all of this possible. And I believe in the months to come and certainly the years to come, you will see an explosion here and an expansion here because people want to hear authenticity and the truth. And I've been through hell, so I can tell you what happens in hell. Okay, so I can tell you how to get out of it. Um, I'm not proud of it, but uh, I thank God that in the midst of it, I learned a lot of things. And guess what? I'm going to keep learning because I want to keep growing and knowing God in ways that I've never known him. And I pray that you have that same tension in your soul to know God every day more than you knew him yesterday, okay? So if you want to uh, get my Wednesday call, uh, it, I usually, it's about 6 o'clock every Wednesday. It's a minute, 30 seconds. If I'm really good, it's 159 because it's only supposed to be two minutes, and so I sometimes push the envelope. And I'm amazed sometimes it's one minute 59. And you have to understand, I don't script them out. I just pray and whatever you get. Sometimes it's good, and sometimes I go, well, that probably didn't help anybody. Um, <laughs> but I gave it a shot. <laughs> and so um, anyway, you can do that. If you want to serve, and this is really important, I had a conversation yesterday with a man that said, I, I watch on, on TV or I watch online. He, he, he doesn't even watch me. I don't know why he would divulge that. Uh, he's watching somebody else. And I said, well, let me just say this to you. You can, you can uh, listen online, but you cannot serve from your sofa. You cannot serve from your bed. You need to be in church. I said, if you don't come to Mosaic, go to a church where you can plug yourself in and serve and help somebody. Well, that resonated. Anyway, you can uh, text the word serve to 405-513-10. We'll get back to you and, and get you plugged in. Okay, let's stand. If you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, um, if you need to pray to forgive me, which I would highly recommend, um, please visit one of our prayer team members and just say, we need to pray for pastor. Help me forgive him. Um, anyway, uh, there's plenty of people over here to help you out, so... Please take advantage of that as we exit. If you're a first-timer, stop at the welcome kiosk. Pick up a gift uh, from us to you, and uh, you won't forget us. All right? Let's go out with a shout. One, two, three. Hallelujah. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.